this week uh, we have uh, Patrick Fuller, is it? From I Sold, a nationwide auction house. Uh, do you want to take talk, talk to him on your... Yeah. Patrick, are you live with us now? I am indeed, Carol. How are you? Okay, good. Thank you. By the way, I'm so sorry, listeners, we had some technical difficulties there, um, but we now have Patrick Fallen from I Am Sold. That's Nationwide Auction House. Um, Patrick, you're very welcome and thank you for joining us this evening. And thanks, Carol, and thanks for having me and giving me the invitation to have a chat. Oh, I'm delighted, Patrick. So, Patrick, I Am Sold Auction. So, you're behind the um, Connacht and Monster Auctions and... What other auctions? Yeah, so we run the Connacht, the Munster, the Leinster property auction, and we've just launched uh, into the Northern Irish market as well. So we're we're nationwide in the Republic and just launching into Northern Ireland as well. So we have a fairly good spread across uh, across the country. Oh, very good. And what auctions do you have coming up over the next couple of weeks? Quite a bit happening at the minute, so we're busy. Um, so this week we have an auction in Munster, so we're down in Cork on Thursday, and uh, then the following week we have Leinster coming up, so we have two, two, two busy weeks ahead of us. Okay, and uh, are these online? No, these are the public auctions. We run both. We run mm-hmm. online auctions and we run public auctions. We've already had our first run of online auctions about four weeks ago, um, and now we're into the, the first run of public auctions. So um, these will be public events held in the Rochester Park Hotel down in Cork in, in Cork City and then in the uh, Clayton Hotel in Niffy Valley in Dublin for the Leinster auction. So we'll be, we'll be in both public auctions. Oh, very good. Um, and, and so obviously anybody who's interested in properties coming up in the Leinster and Munster auction can go to your website there at, at I Am Sold and that's under um, Leinster auctions and monster auctions yeah so we have the regional website so we've the i am sold as the properties nationwide and we're, we're dealing with a pretty broad range of properties anything from residential homes three-bedroom semis a lot of commercial investments um agricultural land so yeah there's a good mix of there's a good mix of properties on there all the properties nationwide are on the i am sold website or more regionally we have connaught property auction.ie for connaught leinster for leinster and munster for munster so we have the regional website websites divided up as well oh, patrick, excellent. Brian, Brian Foxy, uh, just as a matter of curiosity patrick I, um i'm just curious as to know what the trend is now in relation to um property selling is is it true as you said public auction there or is it uh, i believe the, the computer now is becoming very popular to to bet online yeah absolutely so i suppose the online auctions have probably been the biggest shift maybe in in, in our market in the last few years or the online platform so we were the first online auction company uh, to come into ireland about six years ago but since then there's been five or six others who's probably launched to the market. Uh, the online side of things is obviously the way the world is going in general. And I suppose it's the transparency, it's the maybe the, the timeframes, it's the, the, the access to information that the online auctions provide that maybe vendors are choosing to go down and also buyers as well. So, so each year I, I suppose, we're seeing a Would the online um, site be something like eBay? You could see how much is being, is being uh, offered for a house or is, how does it actually work? Just yeah, so it's a bit, bit, bit more to it than eBay. So in terms of the online auctions, so they're set on a particular day and they're usually open for half an hour slot. So for six weeks before that, or sometimes more, we'll be marketing the property, we'll be doing viewings, we'll have it in the papers and the websites, and obviously interested parties are going to make contact, they're going to talk to us, um, and get out to see the property first and foremost, that's all, that's the, the first step. Then if they're quite interested, we can send them on the legal pack. So one of the big benefits of online auctions, or auction in general, is the legal pack is, is available 
at the start. So you don't have to then find out there's actually an issue with the legal pack once you say it agrees, as, as in private treaty. So the legal pack is, 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 is ready and available to all parties. They can download it from the website. They can get that checked over, obviously, by a solicitor. And then if they're happy with that, that's when they'll make their bid. So they're, they're, they're buying, they're given the full knowledge that they need, and they're buying with full knowledge and, and what, of, what, of what the property is. At what stage is. in the process do they come and view the actual property itself? That would be the first step, I suppose. They'll yeah. obviously okay. pick up the phone or send an email and... Uh, We'd always encourage before you do anything, get out to see it. Um, it I get it. I get it. Get an architect to look over it, etc. All, all that sort of. Well, get out to see it themselves. Usually, first of all, see yeah. if they like it, and then if they're quite keen, they might get their engineer out or their architect out to have a look at it. Um, but first step is always just to see if it suits them. Obviously, most people know the location of the property. They might have an idea that they want to buy in that area, but it's always important to get them through the property as well. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you, Patrick. And um, for the Connacht auctions, when is your next Connacht auction coming up? We just had a Connacht auction last week and the next one's coming up then. So we've an online auction Connacht on the 28th of March and then uh, we have a public auction on May the 2nd. So... We've uh, we've kind of two auctions coming up over the next couple of months in oh, Connacht. Very good. So actually, for for sellers who are thinking of entering their properties, are they still in time for the online auction on the twentieth of March? Twenty uh, eighth of March. Uh, they okay. are, yeah, just ju- just about. Uh, I suppose the minimum time period we we like is the four weeks, but ideally a little bit more than that. But absolutely, we can talk to parties if there's vendors thinking about selling their property the first step for us is to make contact we'll send a valuer out to value the property give them some advice in terms of the marketing and then if they're happy with that we can aim for 28th of march okay. may auction to do an auction as oh very good um tell me i am um, in auctions with the multi-lot auctions in ireland uh, there was certainly a preconception a couple of years ago that um a certain type of property was auctioned and obviously going back to 2011, 2012 and 13, we were certainly looking at potentially uh, or, or likely distressed assets and that hasn't been the case for the last number of years. So can you maybe profile the types of properties that you have uh, in auction and coming up at auctions at the moment? Yeah, well, uh, absolutely. And the, the history of auctions were maybe 10, 15 years ago, auctions were used for the trophy homes, mm-hmm. uh, maybe agricultural lands. That was kind of the, the, the go-to for, for those type of properties. Then when the, the market turned and the, the difficulties came in, it became the, the route for maybe the more distressed assets. Where really in the last five years, we deal with almost all private sales vendors who want a property sold at a price that's fair to them. Um, so the types of vendors we're dealing with are quite broadly ranged, but by and large, they're vendors or sellers that want a reasonably quick turnaround. They're not people who want to say, I'll put my house on the market and see how it goes and we might buy another one if we get the right price. Those type of vendors are probably not going to suit auction because it's a faster process. But any vendor that wants to sell within maybe a couple of months and have it closed within a, a month or six weeks after that, that's really the type of vendor that comes to us. So that can be your first time buyer who's trading up and maybe they have a deposit or an eye on another house and they want to get their own maybe property sold quite quickly. It could be uh, probate sales where there's been a, there's been a, um, a property passed on to maybe several family members. They want transparency um, or anyone really that, that, that wants the, the push of the auction. So there's a lot more advertising that comes out at the auction with ourselves. So maybe parties might come to us to get it into the UK. We, we also were the largest auction house in the UK as well. So we'd have lots of UK buyers. So sometimes vendors might say, well, look, we need that extra p- uh, profile for the property. Let's try the auction route. That's a really good point, actually, because we are seeing a rise in UK buyers at the moment. So actually, that's certainly a, a valid point there. And I, I would imagine that the certainty and the time limits involved in auctions 
because obviously the transparency is great, but the certainty is what helps buyers to move on. But tell me, for or the sellers to move on, but for buyers, are you dealing with many mortgage buyers or is it almost exclusively cash buyers that you're dealing with? Yeah, that's that's quite a good question because it's, it's something we've been keeping an eye on over the last few years. So there has been a steady increase in mortgage buyers buying through auction, which is uh, ourselves. That's so interesting. La- yeah, la- last year, um, I have the stats, which were... 56% mortgage buyers and more mortgage buyers than, than cash buyers buying through ourselves. Um, the year before that, it was 48%, so it was slightly the other, the other tangent, and the year before that, it was 45%. So we've been seeing a steady rise in mortgage buyers, and I think that's reflective of the market as well. There's more people with jobs that want to maybe buy a family home, mm. yeah. and there's probably less people with cash. It's, 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 it's balancing up a little bit more. There's less people with cash looking that- for maybe cheaper investments. Very good. And Patrick, that's certainly, an in, they're certainly interesting stats because um, certainly when we go back to where we saw the rise of multi-unit auctions in Ireland, they were almost exclusively cash buyers. So to see that rise over over um, consecutive years to now 56% is a huge proportion there. Um, so look, what we might do, Patrick, is come back to you nearer the time um, for the Connacht auction and maybe take a look at some of the properties that you're featuring then. Absolutely, that sounds perfect. Yeah, just, just, just finish up with you. Um, what do you how how do you describe market conditions at the moment in relate in relation to obviously auctioneering, particularly yeah. in, in, the, in the sort of Galway area. Yeah, so we, we've obviously a pretty good spread of what, what's happening. The, the Galway city market has performed particularly well, obviously that being the, the biggest hub in, of property in, yeah. in, in, in Connacht. Uh, that had performed very, very well for the last few years, but probably saw the market level a little bit towards the back end of the year. Um, that was probably due to two things. One is mortgages. I, I think there's the prices have gone up quite a bit and the, the lending side I think is still quite restrictive. So there might be a bit of a of a slowdown in growth, still seeing growth, but maybe instead of the ten percent we had been seeing, we're now probably seeing you know five or six percent, that type of thing. Um, and then outside of Galway City, which we do a lot in as well, your your Galway counties, your Mayo's, your yes. Leitrim's and Sligo's, we're seeing probably quite good growth still. Probably is that, is that tourist traffic that. going to Mayo, or, or what type of uh, what type of, of, of buyer is that? Depends on the asset. Um, obviously, there's lots of people buying for their own use in Mayo but yeah we would see that we would see actually we mentioned the UK market we'd see lots of buyers looking to buy in U- from the UK and from Dublin as well actually um, so there's a good influx of probably uh, external buyers into that market so it's a, it's a, it's a mix I suppose Okay, and I, look, I think you're echoing trends that um, we're seeing in other regional cities as well, that there has been somewhat of a slowdown, but yet there there is still demand there. So, um, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. That was Patrick Folan, Director of I Am Sold, the Nationwide Auction House. Patrick, thank you so much for being with us this evening. And stay, thanks, tuned. Thanks, Brian. stay tuned. After the break, we'll have Andrew Farrell, CEO and founder of Block Angel, into join us. On 93.9, Dublin South FM. Oh, will you look at them go? I wish I had their energy. Ah, they're good for the soul, though, aren't they? I can't imagine life without Lucky. <laughs> but he might outlive me yet. Oh, <laughs> well, take my advice and sign up for a Dog's Trust Canine Care card. It's completely free, and it's given me such peace of mind since I did. What's that? Well, it's simple, really. It means if you pass away before Lucky, Dogs Trust will take him in and give him the care and love he needs until they match him with the perfect forever home. That sounds terrific. How much did you say it costs? It doesn't cost a cent. Great. How do I sign up? Just text CARE to 50100 and they'll call you with more information. Or you can go to dogstrust.ie. 
Well, that's wonderful advice. I'll do that right away. Here, Lucky. Good boy. Whatever loan you're looking for, wedding loans, holiday loans, car or home improvement loans, make sure you talk to your local Capital Credit Union, where there are no hidden charges or early repayment penalties on your loan. Loans subject to approval, terms and conditions apply. Capital Credit Union Limited, regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Senior Line is a confidential telephone service for older people. Free phone 1800 80 45 91. We're open every day of the year from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., including Christmas Day and New Year. So it's free phone 1800 80 45 91. We're there if you need someone to talk to and need someone to listen. We're older people too, so we will understand, and we're very good at listening. Did you get the Senior Line number? It's free phone 1800 80 45 91. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with Brian Fox and Carol Tallon. You can get contacts on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com or text the show at any time on 087-939-2000. Okay, so our next guest in studio here with us is Andrew Farrell, CEO of and founder of Block Angel. Andrew, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, good to be here. Thank you. You might just let us know what exactly is Block Angel? Yeah, so uh, Block Angel is a, a communication and administration platform which is specifically designed for the multi-unit management industry. So it's um, it's specifically designed for block management. So when we say block management, we mean apartment blocks. Um, and it's... Um, basically a, a stakeholder interaction piece so mm, no let, let's yeah, yeah. break that one down <laughs> yeah okay let, is, is that a whatsapp group for a building it's well no people you, you can very, very much simplify it and say is it a whatsapp group for a building but that's exactly what uh, management agents don't want don't is want. a is a whatsapp group for a building right so um but what we do is we do leverage mobile technology um so we've a, a mobile app and a web app um which basically uh, solves the problems that exist um, in the relationships um, that you have in multi-unit management. So, like going through the relationships, you've got a a resident uh, who's an owner occupier, you've got a tenant, uh, you've got a, an owner who's an investor, and then you'll have the management agent, um, and then also suppliers who uh, you know maintenance contractors who service the building, and and there might be an on-site caretaker, and in some cases you'll have a um, a concierge in, in some very fancy blocks, but uh, for the for the mainstream block management, the the kind of problems that um, directors and owners kind of face is that and and, and uh, this comes up uh, quite a lot is that you know there's there's often a lack of communication between management agents and the directors and owners, um, and there's a, a kind of a perception amongst uh, unit owners, um, uh, investors, owner occupiers that there's a lack lack of activity on the part of the management agent, so. Our platform basically um, brings in all the stakeholders involved in multi-unit management mm-hmm. um, and there's a, a mobile app for uh, residents and tenants, owners, where they can receive uh, instant me- uh, messaging from their management agent. Um, they can view documents pertaining to their management company and the building. They can report maintenance issues and be updated as those maintenance tickets progress. Mm-hmm. And then there's a community notice board as well in the app so that residents can come together and, and have discussion um, about issues that affect them and their building and uh, they can you know buy tell swap sell 
uh, with their neighbours. Well, actually, thank you. What I was going to ask there is what type of communication do um, building uh, building occupiers, what type of communication do they need to have? What what do they, uh, this sounds very blunt, what do they yeah. have to be talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, like some of it can be very, you know, kind of light and it could be social, okay. you know, so, and then some of it can be actual uh, issues that affect the building. So, um, so for example, on the social aspect, we have people on the platform now who communicate with each other about uh, offering, um, you know, plumbing or electrical services to each other. Or there's there was one person even inviting other people to join them on for a Pokemon Go. Uh, <laughs> ex, uh, so all excursion. the important things. All the important <laughs> things, right? So on a social level, like you know, some of that stuff goes on. And people are selling couches and stuff, whatever. But then, um, from an actual organisation point of view. Um, so, like, what's happening in the UK now after um, the Grenfell Tower situation is that there's a lot of residence groups that are coming together to see, right, what kind of um, uh, um, things do we have in place to deal with fire? Mm-hmm. So if there's um, fire in a building, uh, what measures do we have? Are we Do we have appropriate evacuation procedures in place? Um, how would we deal with a fire in, in a large multi-unit building? So... Because ultimately, it's the responsible responsibility of the owners as well as the management agent to come together to, to solve these problems. So, you know, there are you know serious issues uh, to be solved, and it is so also just, the just curious to know what was the attitude of um, estate owners to your idea when you first approached them, or was it a hard sell to them? No, well, it, it's actually if, if there's any like parts of this puzzle that's being kind of disrupted in any way it's maybe on the management agent side of things because I suppose from traditionally or the management okay the management agent so the the directors and owners actually really like love the product because it gives them a level of transparency on the activity of the of the management company that they wouldn't normally have Um, so they can log into the uh, web app and they can see all of the uh, management activities that are going on for their block and they can check the status of those issues and um there's different KPIs as well that we allow on, on the dashboard. I was, I was about to say, no, no, no jargon here, letter KPIs. Acronyms or whatever. Yeah, so uh, just like indicators of, of performance activity um, okay. that are there. So um, the directors and, they, and, uh, and the members of the owners management companies, they, they really like that. So okay. they, they feel and like, tell me, yeah. from the point of view of response, uh, are the, is the response from uh, tenants or, or, or residents, is it quicker? From uh, is it, is it a quick response to them than than just phoning on the regular phone nine to five Monday to Saturday, Monday to Friday? Yeah, so I mean, like people are used to using mobile apps now. Yeah. They're used to communicating with people without having to speak to anyone at the mm-hmm. end of a phone. Um, people are used to help desk scenarios and um, uh, you know and, and that kind of stuff. So people raise tickets through the app. Um, as soon as they raise a ticket and it's acknowledged from the property manager on his end, they get an instant message back to say that oh. this is now being progressed. And then as that ticket goes through the various stages of the process, which would be, um, you know, a, a, a contractor, the, would there'd be a request for quotes from a contractor, there'd be um, approvals required by the directors. Mm. Um, it might be out then, you know, being so scheduled. Like blockchain as well, isn't and it? then to, to a degree where there is that constant level of accountability uh, yeah, of things. Exactly, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I would, yeah, I wouldn't describe but it as blockchain. It's blockchain. That's yeah, that's yeah. a ledger. Yes, technology. it's not. It's not a. But, but you can see that, that there's a record of everything of the whole process going on. Yeah, exactly. There's a record of of how tickets are being progressed and. Um, 
from the management agent's point of view, it's good for them because um, when the owners, uh, the members and directors go on to the web app, they can see how all these different tickets are progressing um, and whether it's proactive maintenance or reactive maintenance, um, it answers people's uh, questions about, you know, what's happening with this, what's happening with them. I thought that we were getting the windows cleaned. I thought that the gates were going to be fixed. So they can see what's happening with all these issues, um, which puts them at ease because most um, phone calls that these management agents get are from disgruntled mm. occupiers who say, why hasn't this been doing? Oh, why I can imagine. Been? Yeah. yeah, and actually that, that brings me to probably a very basic question. I can absolutely see the benefits for tenants, but what are the benefits for um, these owner managers? Because... I'm like I said, I can see the benefits absolutely mm. for the occupiers. I can see is, is this not opening the door to headaches for the owner managers? Yeah, well, look, it's the, the first of all, the benefits for the management agent are that I mean, there's immediate kind of return on investment in that you know, you can pretty much eradicate uh, printing and postage budgets straight away because you're using instant messaging, you're using digital communications, um, and now with memorandums, you can change whether, um, finance uh, financial information is delivered electronically or not so you can pretty much eradicate printing and postage budgets from the start um, our maintenance management system uh, really streamlines the whole workflow process from a ticket being raised to a ticket being uh, closed out we've got a supplier aspect as well to the uh, you software. might just explain what that's for so if that's yeah. you know say for example I'm in the building I notice that the elevator isn't working yeah. is that where I would raise a ticket yeah so you'd, you'd open up the app you'd raise a ticket ticket um, you give a description uh, I'm the issue author it gets sent off um, then it gets picked up by the property manager at their end um, then they'd say okay well I need to send this on to a, a supplier maybe to get a quote if it's a big job so they can they can do that and then get the quotes back and they'll, the information can sit on the system then and the director who might need to approve this work say if it's over a certain amount of money where it needs director approval the director can approve that on the web app and then um, the process moves along then in terms mm. of uh, sending out the work order, mm. scheduling well, the job, so you've got a new getting it done. Of, of your app coming up as well um, and it allows owner management company directors, maybe you'd like to talk about that for a moment? Yeah, so yeah, we have a new version. So basically I'll give you a bit of background. We um, created the first version of the product last, we released it last April. So we, we kind of went out with about eight um, customers and uh, really sort of tested the product and, and got to learn a lot about it and, and what's required in terms of um, all those different stakeholders. Um, and uh, then basically we basically got all those learnings and findings and then went back into development um, full time from, say, last um, October. And we've just been working on that for the last six months. And the new version of the product is going to be released at the end of March. Um, so there's loads of new features um, all around sort of director access, um, member access to the web app. Um, there's loads of small improvements, mm -hmm. like which, you know, which are important to the, the, the actual running of the software. But for the main thing is uh, more privileges for directors uh, and members and converting work orders and managing maintenance tickets. Uh, really, Andrew, this is a sign of, of how communications has moved along and how people in, expect to be interacted with. Yeah. Um, so I think from that point of view, it's interesting. But where do you see this? Where do you see this going? What's the next stage? So um, 
we have a couple of accounting integrations we're working on right now. Um, so it's going to be a full sort of 360 um, service offering where we have the communications and the maintenance and the finance piece um, all within our, our stakeholder engagement uh, block angel platform. So uh, that's that's you know, and that's not far away. That's you know, we'll have those accounting integrations uh, done you know in the next two months. So um, that's our offering in in the short term. But then after that, um, you know, it's I suppose develop development of the product. It could go down a few different avenues. I mean, people are using machine learning to try and. Uh, you know, look at patterns in workflows to try and ease up some of these uh, barriers or frictions that take place in, in trying to move along processes. So um, it's, yeah, there's a machine learning aspect that we could do. Um, but I, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm also quite uh, aware and cognizant of the fact of hu that a human property manager, I think, can't be replaced mm -hmm. by by mm -hmm. by these types of technologies either, because of the nuance of uh, the nature of maintenance and and and, and uh, contractors and and you know pooling jobs together and when's the best time to get this work done and you know who's the best supplier to go to. I don't think, well, I maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think right now that it's going to replace the property manager. Um, so. But that's the way a lot of stuff is. Is this moving. your own? Is this your own um, um, de uh, development as such, or have you? Has this been used abroad at all? Or um, well, the background of how I came up with Block Angel is basically I was out having a pint in the long hall with a friend of mine, and he showed me. The best, the yeah, best, yeah, the best, best ideas. The way the best ideas but he showed me a mobile app for a luxury apartment building in Australia and I contacted him and said, I think this is fantastic. How would I use that in Ireland? They tried to, uh, they said, look, it's going to cost 80 grand. I said, that's absolutely insane. So I said, I'll build a platform so that property management companies can license it off me at a very affordable, at a technology from an affordable rate. That's how it that's happened. Right, okay. Yeah, that's All over a pint. All over a pint, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, best, 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 the best, best ideas start like that. <laughs> Andrew Farrell, CEO and founder of Block Angel. Thanks for coming in and joining us here on the show. Thank After you, Andrew. After a quick break, we'll be joined by Gavin Gallagher from PropTech TV. At the Credit Union, we look at things differently. So whatever loan you're looking for, wedding loans, holiday loans, car or home improvement loans, make sure you talk to your local Capital Credit Union, where there are no hidden charges or early repayment penalties on your loan. We're not here for profit. We're here for people. People like you. Loans subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. Capital Credit Union Limited. Regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Could you and your dog spend one hour per week bringing special moments to people in care centres? Or would you like one of our volunteer visiting teams to come and visit your care centre? At Irish Therapy Dogs, we have a dedicated interest in the use of pet therapy for people in long-term or daily residential care, a professional organisation aimed at providing a pet therapy service on a national basis. If you with your dog would like to get involved, or if you would like one of our visiting teams to visit your care centre, then please call us on 01544-6198 or visit irishtherapydogs.ie for more information. Greetings 60s fans, it's Jim and Isabel here. Do you remember Opal Fruits, the Rainbow Cafe or the Poolsman? 
Did you listen to the latest pop record on Radio Caroline or Radio Luxembourg? Well, whether the answer is yes or no, Echoes of the Jukebox puts you right at the heart of the sights and the sounds of the 60s. Armed with a stack of singles, we invite you to join us on Echoes of the Jukebox right here on Dublin South FM, Wednesdays 2 to 3. The Wurlitzer's humming. We'll see you there, gang. And you're very welcome back to Property Matters here in Dublin South FM with Brian Fox and Carol Tomlin. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So our next guest is Gavin Gallagher from PropTech TV. You may remember we had Gavin in with us on week one and he's uh, full of information, so we have him back again. So, Gavin, we'll just start off with venture capital and... Um, the, the the sector that seems to be growing at the moment, venture capital? Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> PropTech in general, I mean, the amount of investment that's going into it is, is huge. And it's... Do, do we have a figure on that? Because it's something that's so hotly contested on forums and on yeah. WhatsApp groups and uh, everything. You and I are following yeah. the same thing. Yeah, we sure the, are. Um, do, we, do we have a figure? Well, it depends, really. It seems to be the big debate is whether or not co-working is considered part of PropTech or not. Of course. Co-working now. Co-working? Co-working is kind of like what we work. You know, um, it's it's this flexible office space. Oh, uh, yeah. Shared okay. Yes, and things yes, like that. Yes, yeah, so yeah. there's a big debate at the moment internationally uh, as to whether or not PropTech is includes co-working or does not include. And that um, would definitely skew the figures given would, the billions of investment. Because, yeah, I mean, literally uh, WeWork has raised, you know, billions in the last mm. couple of... In, uh, Two billion this year, I think, uh, down from the 16 billion they thought they were getting. Yeah. And mm. the uh, and that has had a big impact on, uh, obviously, skewing the figures. So there's these guys, um, you know, uh, James and Eddie from uh, Unisu. Yes. And those guys are... Um, they're, they're, they're trying to kind of, like, agree on the exact definition of prop tech so that there isn't any skewing of those figures or not and that you can get a, a proper realistic uh, actually you might just let the listeners know what unisu is yeah well unisu is a, it's a platform that's been created by eddie holmes and uh, james dearsley who are both very active in the prop tech scene in the uk they've created this uh, what would you call it carol it's a it, global it, a global database and actually the thing i love about it is unisu the name actually comes from they wanted it to be a one united single source of truth okay, so essentially good, yeah. they wanted it to be a global resource and it's something that i'm using more and more frequently and getting lots of value out of and in fact um for PropTech Ireland, I did actually look to see if we can get some um, get some user interaction going on Unisu. So I will include the links actually with the podcast for yeah. this show because I think it'll be relevant for people because obviously we tend to take a bit of an Irish view. But the reality is, if we were only taking an Irish view with PropTech, it would be really very limited. Um, yeah, you know, you can't take it just an Irish view. I mean, the reality is, is if anyone who wants to scale their business, the only way you're going to do it is to go uh, from, say, Dublin to the UK you're not going to really scale it in Ireland um, because it's, small. Just, it's just too yeah. small yeah. for the market yeah. for a consumer market maybe business to business you know yeah look I, I agree that Ireland is so small that in order to scale yes you have to go outside of Ireland for customers it does annoy me it's a bone of contention that so many companies need to go outside of Ireland to access funding. I think that's a huge failure in our startup community in Ireland because um, absolutely we want export-led innovators. So we absolutely want people going to other other countries to, to w- with their services. But what's 
what's quite disappointing over the last few years is that we're seeing some of the best companies are not able to access funding in Ireland mm. and they're going to London or to other countries and accessing that funding. So I, I do think that's a failure in our startup community. I would agree, yeah. I mean, I, and I think actually one of the, the one of the, the, the benefits and the drawbacks of the Irish system is the fact that you have Enterprise Ireland, which uh, becomes kind of a crutch for a lot of people. They, they, the, the, the venture capital people in Ireland will not invest until you've qualified for your for your sort of matching funding from Enterprise Ireland. And Absolutely, so yeah. that so whereas in the US you might get a decision in two weeks for the funding that you're trying to raise. And from a from a private bank I take from it. A, yeah, yeah or, or, or from private a investors. private, private investors. investors right, yeah. You'll get these guys will put money in very, you'll get a term if you go to China you'll get a term sheet within you know a couple of hours, you know. Mm. And so it's super fast decision making. So is there reluctance here then again still in relation it, well, to well it seems that any uh, the uh, Irish venture capital people that I've kind of come across they, they seem to be reluctant to anything unless Enterprise Ireland are on board and so but the problem with that is that it's a very long process to get mm. them on board so if you're mm. going to go for your 250,000 investment you're talking quite a few months of mm -hmm. you know jumping through hoops and, and getting it exactly ticking all the boxes and I mean I know I understand those guys have a process you have to do but just in terms of if you compare that to the fundraising in the US it's extremely slow and even to the to um, if you compare it to the UK it's extremely slow yeah but actually I did see um, Andrea Reynolds and her company Swoop. Uh, they recently featured in the Hot 100 startups in Ireland. Now, they're definitely trying to bridge the gap and making funding accessible. So what they're doing is actually um, they're sourcing funding for companies. Um, they're doing this on a commission only basis. So you're not wasting time. Um, they're exceptionally prompt and they're only in the marketplace about a year and a half. Well, perhaps you could just explain to, to listeners what sourcing actually is. Um, well, for funding, uh, Swoop actually, they will help innovators and startups with their pitch decks for investors because as Gavin rightly pointed out um, Enterprise Ireland it's it's a good and a bad thing because actually when you have the stamp of approval from Enterprise Ireland then funding is available but it's only really a first round of funding we don't have we don't really have a, a big VC scene in Ireland, a venture capital scene in Ireland. And um, so Swoop gives Irish startups access to, to UK funds. And it's something that I know Gavin has been has been following quite a bit because you obviously work and you mentor with some of the Enterprise Ireland funded programmes. So I know you work very closely with startups. Um, yeah, I've done some mentoring for the guys in uh, the Ryan Academy, the DC Ryan Academy. And those, um, I've had actually one of the criticisms is that you get your two 50 funding but then after you've finished that to the next stage it's very difficult there's actually mm -hmm. the, the, the gap between that and say uh, a series A or something like that which is like a million or yeah. whatever it's there's this kind of ghost uh town you know where you're kind of sitting in there in, in limbo and it's very hard to make that gap you know? and Gavin would you agree that sometimes there's a reluctance to say that about Ireland because we have built this notion that we're some sort of startup capital um, of Europe and the stats just don't bear that out at all. In fact, our startup community is probably lagging behind. Um, but I do see PropTech as being an opportunity for us to really uh, to really make our mark on the startup scene. Um, so, for example, um, last, uh, last weekend, Enterprise Ireland and the Sunday Business Post published their top 100 um, startups or hot 100 startups and three out of the top 100 are prop techs. Now considering we only have 67 prop tech companies that we're tracking in Ireland mm. at the moment um, then 
three is actually quite a good figure. It is that. good. I mean, it's a sm- it, and and PropTech is really at its infancy. You know, it has only just been around a couple of years. I mean, okay, you could go back in to you know to 1994 or whenever it was that Daft started, which is essentially the first PropTech kind of company to kind of come on the scene in Ireland. I love that um, you call it that because most people don't recognise it as that, but it was in fact I one mean, of the first PropTechs. Well, uh, it was one of the first. It was the first in Ireland, but it was also. Uh, one of the first in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. it was there before any of the American or, or yeah. uh, English ones was yeah. there. I, I think sometimes Daft doesn't get the credit that for should. just how innovative that oh, yeah. it was. It was. <laughs> so where, where does PropTech go from here? Well, it's. I think Asia is, is where it's it's all starting to happen okay. now. And um, it's, I mean, the US market is huge and the funding going into it. The amount of, we were asked talking about venture capital. Yeah. Every year it seems to be doubling. And so it's been very very fast growing now and um, I think something like 8 billion in the last 12 months has been put into it but um, I'm not sure I think there might be a bit of a a bit of a slowdown now I think there's there's a little bit of uncertainty around the corner with Brexit and with yeah. Trump and all of these things I just think there's a possible slowdown in the in the waiting in the wings you know so that's I, interesting in terms of venture capital are there no in, in terms of everything I think it's just I think we've had a long run a long sort of uh, bull and I think it might be sort of coming to the end we're out of time I would love to continue a conversation on venture capital because it's something that uh, I think is very uh, controversial at the moment uh, mm. and, and people haven't really got a good concept of what, what venture capital is but for now again we have to leave it because uh, time, the time is out on us that's Gavin Gallagher from PropTech TV I'm uh, sorry, uh, that's, that's your line there. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, actually, one of the things, actually, Gavin, I'd like to ask you to do maybe is come back to us next month and maybe we'll have a chat specifically about the PropTech scene in Asia because I think that's something that is going to be hugely important. Great, love so, to. So next week, so thank that's you, Gavin. Yep. Next week, we'll be talking about mental health in the property and construction sector and what the property market is like down in the southwest. So we want to hear your thoughts on this. So please do get in touch with the show by emailing hello at ipropertyradio.com. And we want to thank all our guests for being on the show with us today. Peter Brown was on sound. Katie Talent produced. We're back at the same time next week. Stay tuned for Bowl of Soul, which is coming up next. But from Karen Talon, me, Brian Fox. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.